Today is Monday, November 6th. The title for our devotional is Freedom in the Gospel. A major part of what makes the gospel irresistible is the freedom that it gives believers. A number of scriptural passages reference this freedom and celebrate it. John 8, 31-32, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 1 Peter 2.16, live as people who are free. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Galatians 5.13, for you were called to freedom, brothers. We will dive into these texts more in the coming days, but the freedom these passages are talking about is freedom from sin and freedom from the law. We talked about this uh, in the second week of the campaign when we were discussing morality, our violation of it, and God's gracious response and salvation. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, the penalty for our sins has been paid. When we place our trust in Jesus for our salvation, we are free from our sin, and therefore free from the curse of the law, and free to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and give ourselves in service to God and others. Those are some big statements that we will unpack over the week. This week, we're going to reflect on the freedom from and freedom to aspects of this conversation on Christian freedom. Again, we are free from our sin and the law and free to give ourselves in service to God and others. St. Augustine, who lived in the 4th and 5th century, spent much of his ministry life refuting the ideas of Pelagius, a monk from Britain who denied original sin, undermining the necessity of Christ's death for salvation. And as humans, he said that we were able to be moral enough on our own apart from God's grace. He therefore viewed Christ's death not as an atoning sacrifice for the sins of the elect, but more as an example of humility and love for us all to follow. He emphasized human freedom and goodness over God's election, grace, mercy, and salvation. Augustine countered Pelagius by teaching original sin, the necessity of the atonement, uh, and God's election, his grace and mercy and salvation. Teachings of Pelagius were later deemed to be heretical by the Council of Ephesus in AD 431. And the church sided with the teaching of Augustine. Teaching of Pelagius has resurfaced in recent days as our culture so heavily emphasizes freedom. We'll talk about this more tomorrow in the alternatives to the gospel of freedom. Moreover, as evangelicals deconstruct their faith, they look to the history of the church and find that it's more messy than they previously believed, that it wasn't just a clean line from Paul to Billy Graham. In doing so, they revisit the ancient arguments, often feel slighted for not being taught about it before, and like a child with a shiny new toy, abandon the good doctrine that has been handed down to them in favor of the new, albeit bad, doctrine recently discovered that confirms what they wanted to believe all along. I digress on this. Uh, I bring all this up. Sorry, that was a long rabbit trail that I went on this week as I started uh, just processing through (laughs) the Pelagius and Augustine argument. But anyways, uh, I bring all this up for one fascinating aspect of Augustine's argument. Pelagius is the one who seemed to be on the side of free will and Augustine on the side of determinism. However, Augustine pointed out, rightly so, according to the teaching of Jesus and Paul, that only through the saving work of Jesus can our will truly be set free. Prior to salvation, humans are in bondage, enslaved, that is, not free, to sin. Because of our sinful nature, we are not truly free to love God. In our pride and selfishness, how can we? Yet in God's grace and mercy, in salvation and new creation, as 2 Corinthians 5.17 indicates, of the believer, our will truly becomes free, because we can then choose to love God genuinely. He describes it as disordered loves. In our sinful nature, we always love ourselves, something, or someone else, ultimately, more than God. This is the heart of idolatry. 
In Christ, as a part of our salvation and new creation, God orders our disordered loves so that we can love God over other loves. The heart as the seat of our will is, quote, made new, as Ezekiel 36, 26 prophesies. Until the heart is made new, it is restless in its idolatry, because remember, we are made by God and for God. Augustine famously prayed, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. In the reordering of our loves, we can then live as we were purposed to live. In the biblical framework, then, in the gospel, we become more free. I've linked you as additional content to a uh, Gospel Coalition article on this conversation between Pelagius and Augustine. If you're interested for uh, to look into it further. Sorry, again, I went on a pretty big rabbit trail there. I meant to just reference it, but kind of just dove in with it. All right, for reflection, reflect on the idea of being more free in the gospel. Do you perceive the gospel as freedom in Christ or more restrictive and restraining? If you view it as more restrictive, I hope that this week you will see the true freedom in the gospel and come to appreciate it over and against the quote-unquote freedom, which, according to scripture, is really bondage. <laughs>